Hello and welcome. Here to Lead is for leaders who are looking for practical insight and hands-on tools and advice on how to unleash the power in their leadership to get things done. I'm your host, Kelly Barkabas. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here today. We are going to talk about executing strategy. As you recall, the first couple of episodes where I introduced this topic of here to lead, LEAD is an acronym, and it is all about leveraging our leadership to execute strategy, affect change, and drive results. So we spent a few episodes talking about leadership, and now we're going to spend a few episodes talking about executing strategy. Peter Drucker said, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. And that's what we're going to talk about. No matter how you look at it, leaders are hired to get stuff done, right? There is a lot of focus on leadership in our culture today. We spend a lot of time talking about the attributes of a good leader. Um, we, we spent some time on this, too, in the last few episodes. We did all that work defining what leadership means to us. We developed our elevator pitch. We learned about using our leadership and getting it dirty and actually living in it. What we don't spend enough time talking about is what leadership looks like on Monday morning, on Wednesday afternoon, in the conference room during a meeting, and when settling disputes between priorities or between coworkers. How do we model leadership in the trenches? How do we model leadership in the mundane day-to-day when we're in the middle of a crisis and also when everything is going well? And here's a question. Shouldn't it come naturally if we're really a leader? You know, if we're such good leaders and we know that and we've done all this work to become a good leader, don't we just execute strategy naturally? Well, unfortunately, no. So I think from what I've observed, and again, I I just want to say up front that I'm coming from a place of I've been in these positions. I've been guilty of of all the things we're going to talk about today. I've been guilty of. I've been complicit in. But recently, more recently, I've started to really witness some of the challenges and the in the problems and the things that we're not dealing with as leaders. And that's what my goal is with this podcast and specifically with these things that we're talking about with executing strategy. I've seen that it's it's a big roadblock. It doesn't come naturally. I have worked on leadership teams with really smart, talented, driven leaders. And I still see them struggle to get things done, to get the right things done. And so I think it's worth talking about. I want to spend this time that we have together talking about how do we bring leadership to life on a daily basis? How do we make our leadership effective and avoid the fate of my friend's fancy living room? You know, leadership is, it's a very common and coveted skill. The human resource department and hiring managers, they look for leadership. Um, They have it in the job description. They have it as a requirement. Organizations know they need leaders. Why? Why is this one skill of leadership so important? Why do we need all this leadership? It's really a simple answer. Organizations hire leaders for one reason, because they need us to get stuff done. And even beyond that, it's not just anything that we need to get done. We need to get the right things done. The definition of execute is simply the act of completing a task or accomplishing a goal to carry something out, right? And the definition of strategy, again, in the simplest of terms, without using any corporate buzzwords, 
Strategy is a plan or a method to accomplish a goal or a set of goals, okay? So let's start with what I've already alluded to, which is if we're good leaders, why aren't we already successfully executing strategy? Why doesn't this happen naturally? Why don't we just automatically get all the important stuff done on a daily basis, again, if we're such good leaders? If only it were that easy. So let's talk about what what is it that gets in the way of our brilliant execution of strategy. So I'm going to give you the top three reasons why we don't execute like we should, and then the solutions. And you'll notice that they sound very simple, and they are. The challenge and the difficult part is adhering to these simple principles on a daily basis. So I'm going to lay them out for you, the problem, the solution, and then we're going to take a deep dive into each one of the three. And we'll finish the series with some very practical and hands-on guardrails that will help you. It will help you on Monday morning, on Wednesday afternoon, in the conference room, and in the hallway. All right. Are you ready for this? It's going to blow your mind how simple it really is. Often, leaders aren't executing strategy because, number one, we try to do too much. Number two, we let the day-to-day priorities of running our business steal our time. And number three, we're doing things, but we're doing the wrong things. We try to do too much, we let the day-to-day steal our time, and we do the wrong things. So what is the solution to all of this? Fortunately for us, the answers are just as simple. Instead of trying to do too much, resist the urge to do too much. Enforce the rule of three or five, no more than three projects at a time, no more than five projects at a time. As far as letting the day-to-day priorities steal our time, make the time, manage it, take control. You control your day. Don't let your day control you. And finally, instead of doing the wrong things, we need to do the right things. Identify the projects and initiatives that will accomplish your goals. Only do those. Now, like I said at the beginning, I know these sound oversimplified. And I know that some of you are thinking, okay, duh, you know, this is nothing new. The complicated and challenging part of all of this is the implementation and the commitment to these three things on a daily basis. So let's take a deeper dive into each one and really understand what it takes to overcome these challenges. And You know, let me just say again that I have seen this in action. I've been a part of it. I've been guilty of it, complicit. And even leadership teams who don't think this applies to them, I promise you that it does. I promise you that all of us, all of you, me, all of us have been guilty of these things. So let's talk about um, resisting the urge to do too much. First of all, why is this a problem? Why do we do this? Why do we try to take on more than we really should, more than our teams can handle? First of all, there are so many good ideas. Trying to accomplish too many goals at the same time is very common. I've seen it with every leadership team I have been a part of. We sit in meetings discussing strategy with very smart people of great ideas. We pull out the whiteboard or an easel pad, or better yet, we get the adhesive easel pad so we can paper the conference room with our brilliance. We have listened to the experts sometimes on strategy and project management who've told us to limit ourselves. So somebody will mention that in the conference room and we limit ourselves to three or five, but then what I've I've been in this conference room where, okay, we're only going to have three strategic goals. But then because we don't want to let a good idea go, we start building items beneath those three goals. So pretty soon you have three major goals, but then you have 20 projects below each one on how to accomplish those. 
So we narrow our ideas down to the top 10 or the top five or the top three, but then we convolute the process by loading up each of those major initiatives with subprojects, and we're only fooling ourselves. The second reason we try to do too much is quite bluntly, ego. It is human nature, and it is definitely a big part of our American business culture to be busy, to have so many projects that you spend your day in meeting after meeting, and then the nights and weekends catching up on email and the day-to-day. I was recently at an organization, and there were so many meetings that we had a meeting to talk about how to have less meetings. We actually had a strategic goal on how to have less meetings. Not even kidding being serious. And I know that's a problem in a lot of organizations. There's too many meetings during the day. So you spend your day in meeting after meeting and then the nights and weekends catching up on email in the day-to-day. It makes us feel busy and needed, which makes us feel important, powerful. It justifies our existence at an organization if we have a project to run. It gives us a reason to be invited to the important meetings and perhaps gives us an audience with the CEO or the board of directors. At the end of the day, everything I just talked about, it's all ego. The third reason is not one we talk about openly because it is embarrassing and comes from too vulnerable a place, which makes us uncomfortable. But the cold, hard truth is that sometimes we really have no idea what we should be doing to stop the bleeding of cash or the loss of customers or to grow top line or really manage expenses. So we're going to try a bunch of different things and see what works. Why is it a bad thing to push ourselves to accomplish more than we think is possible? What about audacious goals, right? That's a buzzword right now. Setting audacious goals, stretching outside our comfort zone. And remember that old, um, that book from the 90s, Who Moved My Cheese? What about moving our cheese and forcing people to do what they don't think they can do? But here's another reality that we don't like to admit to ourselves. We overwhelm the resources of the organization when we try to do too much, period. Most projects and initiatives today take time, technology, cash, and most important, they need people to lead them and to implement the project. All of these that I just mentioned are finite resources, and ignoring that reality is in fact ignorant, but we all do it. Let's talk about time. There is only so much time in a day or a week or a month. Time is a finite resource. Your team has a limited number of hours that they can spend working. Whether you want to admit that or not, whether you want to believe it or not, whether you have this workaholic culture or not, even if it's 60 hours per week that you expect your team to work, it is still finite. They do have to go home at some point. They have to have a a life outside of work. They have to have a family. They have commitments. There is only so much time that they can spend at work. It is not an endless supply. Despite the workaholic culture that we all like to pretend we love. Technology. Your IT department, as wonderful as they are, can only do so much. They still have to support the ongoing operation of the business. They have to troubleshoot daily issues with technology, and it's unavoidable. It is the nature of business today. If email goes down, or the system freezes up, or the accounting team is locked out of accounts payable, and inventory had a hiccup, and you weren't able to ship something because it was showing zero quantity in the inventory system, yet you're holding that item in your hand, or the CEO forgot his password. All of these things are real, and they take the IT department time to manage. More time than you think, too. 
Oh, and they still need to make sure that no transactions fell out on their way to the data warehouse, credit cards only processed once without error, and shipping is able to print labels and the postage meter is calculating correctly. And they still need to get all the daily reports emailed out or posted to the dashboard. Every single thing that happens in a business today needs IT to keep it running. And in my experience, leaders significantly underestimate the amount of time this takes and also underestimate the impact of projects to the IT department. I've been in conference rooms as well where project teams are being formed and nobody from IT is on the team, but they they get involved in every project. There is hardly anything that I can think of that you can do today in an organization that doesn't involve IT on some level. Cash. Let's talk about cash. Perhaps you are in one of those industries or organizations where cash is not a consideration. Personally, I've never worked for one of those. Uh, It's taken different meaning and priority in different situations that I found myself in, but cash has always been important in the companies that I've worked in. When I started in the diamond jewelry business, we were highly leveraged and managed our line of credit on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. The amount of money I had available to pay vendors, buy inventory, and spend on projects was directly related to how much I collected in receivables and whether or not it was a payroll week. We, we had a finite, very limited amount of cash available, depending on where we were in our season. And even in organizations that weren't this tightly cash managed, the budget, cash flow was always a top consideration. And as much as we all know that and recognize that, it is often the last thing considered when developing the list of projects for the year. Now, I have a finance background. I'm a CFO. So I get that it's always top of mind for me and isn't always for all on the leadership team. But it still is a finite resource, whether it's one of your priorities or not. And people. Finally, you know, as with cash, perhaps you are in one of those organizations where limited staff is not a consideration. I've never worked for one of those. Most companies that I've been associated with or know of through colleagues do not have the luxury of having a dedicated project team that has no other responsibilities other than that project. It is always the same people that are running and supporting the day-to-day operations that we also task with strategic projects, right? It's another cold, hard fact. And here's another truth bomb. We always underestimate how much time it takes for our teams to do their day jobs and how much free time they actually have. Are there seasons and times when people have a little extra? Yes, of course. And it is my experience. Let me just say this too. It it has always been my experience that most staff can be pushed a little to be more efficient with their day and can fit in a project. But the issue comes in when we try to do too much, too many projects. You only have one IT department. You only have one marketing department, one sales team, one accounting team. And here's the other thing. We underestimate how much time it takes to lead or manage a staff. We look at our top-level management and senior leadership teams and wonder what they do all day. Coaching, offering discipline, reviewing work, structuring priorities for the department, talking to third-party vendors and suppliers, and supervising the day-to-day takes time. And don't forget negotiating who gets to take Christmas week off, and did Susie really disrespect Janet, and did Chad really make a sexist comment to Lisa? This stuff takes so much time, more than you think. And I, I think so often we disregard that when we're planning out projects and what our leadership teams are capable of. So you may be still asking, so what? Let's push ourselves, our teams, our resources to the brink. Let's push them to the edge of what's possible. That's the only way to maximize what we can get. 
If you don't push people, you'll never get anything done. And I'm not suggesting that we don't push people. I agree that we need to challenge and push as leaders. But we need to keep our expectations reasonable and limited. Otherwise, we will have the opposite effect of what we want. If we try to do too much and we overload our resources, they will shut down. I've lived in San Diego for the past few years, and the weather is outstanding. It's amazing. I'm a native of upstate New York, where we get 200 inches of snow a year and winter lasts for six months. San Diego is that perfect September day that we long for in upstate New York, where it's cool in the mornings, it warms up to the mid-70s with sunshine, a gentle breeze, and then cools back down at night for great sleeping weather. I mean, in in Syracuse, New York, those are our dream days. And uh, San Diego is like that 10 months out of the year. It's just amazing here. And because of that, many homes do not have central air. You don't need it. So our house does not have it. But then uh, when August, September hits, it can get incredibly hot. We do have six or eight weeks of really hot weather, over 100 degrees. Depending on where you live in San Diego, we are in East County, so we're inland, and it gets really hot. So we rely on a couple of freestanding room air conditioners to keep the house cool enough during our heat wave. And we have found that if we run the vacuum or my husband turns on the blow dryer in his art studio to dry his paint between layers, and we have the air conditioners on, we will blow a circuit and everything shuts off. The lights go off, the cool air stops flowing, he can't run his blow dryer. Think about this. We overloaded what our system was capable of at one time, and as a result, nothing worked. The blow dryer couldn't run, the air conditioners couldn't run, the lights went off. We could run each of these on a standalone basis, But when we tried to run something that took a lot of amperage, it overwhelmed and overloaded the system and shut down. It doesn't move slower. It doesn't uh, fade out. It doesn't give you a warning. It just blows and shuts everything off. The amount of electrical supply and amperage we have in our home is limited. It's finite. We have an older home, and I believe our circuit panel is 100 or 150 amps, and Those 150 amps, and I'm not an electrician, so for you guys out there, if I'm getting any of this wrong, please give me some grace. This total available resource, all of these, this amperage is divided up into different zones or circuit breakers, right? And you have different electrical outlets and light switches that are tied to those different circuit breakers. Your organization is the same way. You have different departments, right? You may have different capacity or load in one department that you do in another. You may have some room in your sales department to take on a really cool project or a few projects. You may have a few extra people or interns and merchandising that can take on some extra projects. But you could overload and blow up your IT department at the same time because they are already overloaded. And if you plug anything else into them, it's going to blow the circuit. You will get to a point where you blow the circuit and then nothing gets done. And that's what we want to avoid. So how do you find that balance of challenging your team to accomplish what you need without overwhelming them? And and also, what are the signs that you are overwhelmed? If you're listening to this and you're thinking, geez, I wonder if I'm overloading my teams. Have I been have I been overburdening them? Are they are they ready to blow a circuit right now? Look for burnout. You know, I think burnout is a good sign that perhaps your people, your teams, your resources are overwhelmed. Listen to your people. Ask them what they can do and fit in and when. Take them at their word, okay? Look for burnout. 
Listen to your people. Ask them what they can do and fit in and when. Take them at their word. Talk to your A and B players. Find out what they think they can do. Maybe you could push them a little bit beyond that because they're probably going to lowball you a little bit, but take them at their word. If you're their A players, they're going to give you the honest answer. Another sign that maybe um, you're overwhelming your resources, good people are leaving. If some of your best people are unhappy and are looking to get out, that could be a sign that you're overloading them. Do you have dissension or tension in your culture? Do people hate coming to work? All of these are signs of burnout, okay? So listen to your people, ask what they can do and fit into the with their day jobs and when, and then take them at their word. Look, if people, if good people are leaving, don't just say, good luck, don't let the door hit you in the butt on your way out. Take a, a good hard look at, at what's going on at your place. And if you sense dissension or tension, and if you're so clueless, you don't really know there's dissension or tension, you should check in. Check in with your HR department. Check in with your people. Check in with the next level down and really listen to people. Is your core business getting done? If customers are not getting serviced on a timely basis, shipments are not going out, phones are not being answered, deadlines are being missed, that could be a good sign that your reso- your resources are overwhelmed. And remember, without your core business, you have nothing. So you really want to make sure that your core business is running like it should be, first and foremost. Because if you don't have any customers or clients, uh, all of it is a moot point anyway. And finally, progress is not being made. This is another sign. So if you continue to go to your weekly or biweekly or monthly staff meetings with senior leadership and everybody is giving their status updates on strategic projects and the needle is not moving. So week after week, people are reporting the same things. Progress is not being made. Um, Roadblocks are not being removed or dealt with. You're stuck and you're in the same place, progress is not being made, that is another sign that you're overwhelming your resources. So in summary, I think we're going to stop with this deep dive into this one today, resisting the urge to do too much. Many well-known strategy experts and philosophical time managers agree that three goals are enough for an organization. You have the reality of your day-to-day. You have a business to run. And you do need to execute strategy, for sure. You have to leave time for both to be successful at running your business and strategically moving the organization forward. The reality is, your organization and your teams will only be able to successfully implement a small number of projects or change at a time. If you overload the team with too many things to focus on, they won't effectively focus on any one thing long enough to complete it or implement it the way that it should be done. And worst case, you blow a circuit. So regardless of how passionate your team is or how convinced they are that they can do it, it is your job as their leader to limit the number of projects they take on, period. You have to master this if you are going to be an effective leader who gets stuff done on a daily basis and gets the right things done, okay? So now for your homework. This next week, I want you to take some time in the seat and get some practice in. So just take a minute and answer these questions. When have you experienced this in your career? List some examples. Could be 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You could be living it right now. 
Um, when have you experienced an organization or a leadership team trying to do too much or even just yourself personally? Maybe you're, you set out the, the first of the year is coming up. Maybe you always set out January 1 with a whole list of goals. Do you think you've, you've been trying to do too much in your department? So think about that. Now let's talk about what's happening right now with whatever role you're in. How many strategic projects are happening right now in your organization? Do you recognize any of the signs that it is too much? Have you seen burnout? Have you seen good people leave? Have you seen dissension or tension? Is your core business getting done? Are you making progress? When you have the status updates, are they saying the same thing week after week or is progress being made? Where are the finite resources at your organization? What are their limits? Where do you, where do you see the circuits in danger of blowing? Okay, is it cash? Is it time? Is it your IT department? Is it um, your warehouse? You know, wh- where, where are you seeing that you're about ready to blow? And in your opinion, you know, after thinking about this and doing this analysis and listening to this podcast, what do you think is the right number of projects you should be limited to? If you could go and make a recommendation right now to your CEO or to your senior leadership team, um, what do you think that number is? So spend some time thinking about that, uh, meditating on it this week. And when we come back next time, our next episode, we are going to talk about um, time. And we are going to talk about how uh, one of the reasons why this was the second reason why leaders are not executing strategy is they let the day-to-day priorities steal our time. We let, you know, this whole concept of fighting fires overtake us. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. So be sure to tune in. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining Here to Lead. And if you got anything useful out of today, please review, share, subscribe the podcast. You can check out kellybargabus.com slash podcast to look at or to listen to um, more episodes or to send me an email if there's something, question that you have or something you want to talk about. Take care. We'll talk soon. 